Let me take you to a scripture that really blows my mind. Okay? 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says that there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Son, or says the word there. We know that that's John's pet word for Jesus. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Now, I'm a math guy, you know. And two plus two is always four. I know some of you artistic people, sometimes two plus two is five. But no, two plus two is always four in my mind, okay? And one is three, and three is one, and they are never the same. One never equals three, and three never equals one. But that's what that verse right there says. I don't understand that. You hear me say that. You've been around here a while. You've heard me say that. I don't understand that. And go ahead if you want to try and explain it to me this afternoon, but Every time somebody gets close to explaining it, they say, I've got the explanation, I've got the... Un-. And they get close and say, yeah, that sounds really good, but what about... This? It's, it's really, to me, the best way I can understand it, is God is so awesome, there is no way in human words or human understanding to describe who he is. Now, I've had some people say, well, he's really one, but he wants us to understand, and it's better for us to understand him as three different, or he, he's really closer to three, but he, it's easier for us to understand him as one. I, 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 don't, I just know that God is so amazing that I really can't fathom him in my human mind that I have right now bound by, you know, the few dimensions that we know about. And God's just in a different dimension than we are. And so it's, it's different. But here's what I know about this, is I know he is one God, but I know he also wants us to understand that there's some reason that we, we also need to understand that he gives us three, can we call them at least distinctions of who he is. And I, I, don't, I don't get all of this, but there are three distinctions there. And, and if we want God to be the difference, then we need to get all of those distinctions about what he's saying. So let's start with the Father. And, you know, it's like, like the first sermon I preached in this series, Save and Delete. You know, kind of like on computers. We know there's some things we need to delete, some things we need to save. We need to clear our cache every once in a while. Some things we need to hang on to. You know, it's, it's just like that. When we, when we recognize the fathership of God, the authority of who he is, you know, then, you know, it's not like, it's not like, okay, God, you're the father and we have to do what you say. No, it's not like that. It's like this, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That what we say when we accept his fathership, his authority as God, is we're saying, God, we want to be obedient to you because we want that. I want to prosper. I don't want to be harmed in the future. I want a future. I want a hope. I want that dream that you have for us. I want that, those plans. I want it. And, and so I honor and accept that. Just like that very first sermon that says, you know, I want to obey. I want to do the things I need to. I want to get rid of some stuff I don't need in my life and make some room for God to start speaking to me. You know, and understand and accept the fathership of God. And then, like last week, we accept the sonship. You know, the word, Jesus, the word. We accept the sonship of God. That Jesus Christ died for our sin. And so we accept him as Savior, that he, he died for our sin. There's grace now for everything behind us, and it has redeemed our past and given us a great future. And so now our future, you know, we have a great future that has nothing to do with our past. Our past hadn't been fixed. It has been redeemed. 
And so our future has nothing to do with our past. We can just turn our back on our past and start walking into the future, an awesome future that is not bound, it's not hindered in any way by our past. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning that there is forgiveness. None of that matters anymore. And even when we're looking forward, none of that matters anymore. Condemnation is normally a future payment that you make for yesterday. That doesn't matter anymore. I'm no longer under condemnation. And so I embrace that. Thank God. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with that or think about that anymore. That is all over with. But there's a, there's a third distinction that he makes about himself. And he calls himself the Holy Spirit. This third. And, and if we get the first two and we don't get this, we're missing two-thirds. It's like, you know, if your, your car, you know, you got a six-cylinder out there and it's running on four cylinders. You might get it to run. It's not going to run well. It's not going to run long if you get it to run. You need to be firing all these cylinders. The Holy Spirit and the word spirit there in, in the Greek is pneuma, pi nu epsilon, epsilon, mu, alpha. I don't know Greek, but I know that one really good, you know, because I've had to explain this a lot to people. Pneuma, and, and, and it means, it translates means spirit, ghost, wind, breath, those kinds of things, okay? And so he calls himself this holy Spirit, wind, breath, those things. He calls himself this. But when this, this, this word is used in the context of describing a person and a person's being or makeup, this is what it means. It means that vital spirit, soul, or creative force. So think about this. If I embrace his fathership and his authority that can bring all dreams to pass in my life. And I embrace his sonship and the sacrifice that brings grace to, to set me free, from redeem my past and redeem my future as well. But I don't embrace his spiritship and then I miss the vital creative force of God. That sounds like that's an important part I don't want to miss. You know, and and, and I, know, I know lots of people that live this way. My dad, if you don't know, my dad was, was a retired bivocational pastor. He was a pastor slash CPA, you know, pastor on the weekend, CPA, weekdays and all of that. And he, he's got a lot of contact, a lot of business, you know, uh, contacts and people. And, and one of the things he, 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 I remember him telling me sometimes about a particular man or a particular business leader, you know, that there was nothing about him that would make you say he was a Christian. I mean, you, you, you listen to the guy talk, you know, cuss of Blue Street, whatever, you know, and, and, and never anything about God, but he would pay his tithes. And my dad would mention that and say, and look how blessed he is that, that, that you know, that God's word, if God says, you know, bring the tithes into the storehouse and I'll pour out blessings you cannot receive, God's word will not return to him void if he says it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And that even, even these people who aren't living a Christian life, they're, they're, they're doing some of the do's, you know, uh, uh, and, and God is rewarding them or blessing them they're, they're, because of the obedience. And I know people like that. I know Christians like that. I know Christians who, who, have, who really just can't, they, they still are, are kind of living in their past. They still have not been able to even accept the sonship that has redeemed their past and their future and all they can do is they're trying to just go through the motions of doing all the do's and don't do all the don'ts, you know, and, and they're trying to just be obedient and be obedient. And they might as well be living in the Old Testament under the law if that's all that your relationship with God is. But I also know a lot of Christians who've embraced the fathership and his authority and they've embraced 
the sonship of God and his forgiveness and his grace and his redemption. But they've not embraced the power. And they're walking around being whooped and defeated. You are going to constantly be defeated if you don't embrace the power of God. You know why? Because Ephesians tells us, for our struggles not against flesh and blood. Oh, no wonder I keep messing up and falling. No wonder I can't do this. The fight is not flesh and blood. Now, if it was flesh and blood, I could figure it out. You know, that's what we think. Come on, guys, especially us guys, right? If it was flesh and blood, we'd figure it out. We'd ha- we'd, we would come up with a plan, and we would know how to do this thing, right? Because we're, we're normally that kind of, you know, fixers. That's what we are, right? You know, uh, or, or like our shopping, the way we do shopping. How do we do it? You know, search and destroy, search and destroy, search and destroy, you know. And our, and our wives, you know, our girlfriends, you know, they're walking around, walking around. You know, get in, get it done. I mean, if it was flesh and blood, we'd be done with this. We'd never fail again. We'd never fall in our sin again. We would never succumb to another temptation. But it's not flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Oh, wow. No wonder I keep messing up. I'm trying to fight a spiritual battle with just physical weapons. But he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's one of the ones we're praying, incidentally, okay? But, but these are our weapons. Our weapons are not flesh and blood. And so if you're fighting with flesh and blood weapons, you understand, you haven't picked up your weapons yet. Your real weapons that are going to make you victorious, that are going to make you an overcomer, you haven't picked up the right weapons yet. And the reason you keep getting beat up and defeated is because you're fighting a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. You're not fighting with the power and the Spirit of God. So embrace it all because in all of God, there is a difference. This year, there can be a difference because... He blesses through his authority, through his fathership, he blesses our obedience. And through his sonship, he blesses our acceptance of him as Lord and Savior by redeeming our past and redeeming our future. And in his spirit, he blesses our acceptance of who he is by allowing his power to make us overcomers in all things and bring victories and to really be the difference. Let me show you if I can. Genesis chapter 41. Well, let me say this. I, think a lot, I thought about this this week. You know, a lot of times we say, well, we know uh, God the Father. We, we understand it. We understand God the Son. We don't understand as much about God the Spirit because he hadn't been around as long as the others, you know, because we kind of think he showed up, you know, 2,000 years ago, Acts chapter 2. You know, that's kind of the way some, of, some people think, you know. He just showed up on Acts chapter 2, you know. He was just created. No, he's always been here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The first verse says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 said, and the earth was without form. It was void. It was formless, shapeless. And the Spirit of God brooded over the waters. He was there. He's always been there. And in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter uh, 41 and verse 38. Uh, let me set this up. What this is. Joseph, uh, not, not Jesus' dad. That's the New Testament. But there was, a, there was another man named Joseph in the Old Testament. And he was a guy that interpreted dreams. He had dreams. And he interpreted dreams. Uh, he interpreted dreams for, for uh, people that he came in contact with. He got uh, uh, falsely accused of something he didn't do. And he was thrown in prison. He, in, he interpreted dreams for people in prison. And then one day, uh, the Pharaoh, who, you know, the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he had a dream, and it really, it really tormented him, and, 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 he, and he asked for people to interpret. Nobody could, and somebody said, hey, wait a minute, there's a guy over in prison. 
into prison that you've been holding. Bring him, he can interpret it. And so they bring Joseph over, and Joseph interprets the dream, and it's obvious to Pharaoh that, yeah, this, that's it, that's it. Every time Joseph interprets, everything works out, everything, everything is exactly like he says. I mean, he truly, honestly has this gift through the Spirit, and this is what Pharaoh says, Genesis 41, 38. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh doesn't even believe in God. He's serving all these other gods of Egypt. He doesn't even believe in God, but he recognizes the Spirit of God. There is a difference. There are all kind of wise men in, in Egypt. Uh, that was the thing they did back in those days. When a king would overthrow another kingdom uh, or a country or something, they would t- he would take the very choice men, young men of that kingdom, and he would bring them to his palace, and they would train them. They would teach them. They would, they would do everything they can, pour wisdom inside, in, inside of them. So they had all kinds of wise men in Egypt that day. But the difference was, and Pharaoh himself noted it, the Spirit of God. Okay, and that's way back in Genesis. And that's not the only one. I'll give you, there are 24 more that I've listed for you here on the screen. 24 more people throughout the Bible that the difference was the Holy Spirit. Like the 70 elders that, that helped Moses lead all those people, all those people through, through uh, the wilderness, through the promised land. And Joshua who followed after Moses. And uh, the, uh, the judges, Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, the kings of Israel, the very first two, King Saul and David, who was a man after God's own heart. Read there and, and, and read there and see that, that the difference, the difference that was made in them was the Spirit of God. And then, and then the prophets, Azariah, Jehaziel, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus herself. How did a, 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 a virgin become pregnant with the Son of God? The Spirit of God moved upon her, and she became pregnant, and she delivered the Son of God. And then her, her uh, cousin uh, Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias, and then uh, Simeon, an old man who had outlived his years. But God said, you're going to hang around until the Messiah is born. And then one morning he wakes up, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, get over to the temple today because the Messiah is going to be there. Just a few days old. The Messiah was just born just a few days. Now they bring him to present him at the temple. And the Spirit says, get over there to the temple. You're going to meet the Messiah today. Now listen, I could preach there a while, but I'm going to do that a little later. I'll explain in just a minute. Uh, Jesus himself, I don't know your theology on this, but when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, here we have John the Baptist baptizing the Son of God. As he comes up out of the water, there is a loud, booming, thunderous voice that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the Father. The Father speaking about the Son. And then there's a third one that goes from one to the other. The Holy Spirit descends. It says the Holy Spirit descends from heaven like a dove and lights upon Jesus. And I've heard some people describe it, say it this way. And they say, you know, Jesus himself couldn't even do those miracles without the Holy Spirit. That's the wrong way to understand what's going on here. It's not, Jesus is God. Jesus is part of God. I don't know exactly how this works, but Jesus is God. It's it's not that he couldn't, it's that he wouldn't. That Jesus, the sonship part of of God, and the Holy Spirit, the powership part of God, they worked in tandem to accomplish all of those mighty miracles that he accomplished. And Jesus wouldn't. Here's the message to me and you, is that you and I, if Jesus wouldn't do it, then you and I, we need 
that power for awesome things to be happening in our life as well. Uh, Simon Peter, Stephen, Philip, and Paul and Barnabas, the two co-workers there, and then Agabus and Apollos. And the reason I read those out loud, I mean, I know you can read. might not be able to pronounce all of those, but you can read. It was because somebody's not here. They're going to listen to this on the podcast, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge those sitting here with all those also that are, that are listening. If you were listening to this later on podcast, I challenge you. I dare you. Look these people up and see that the true difference in their life was the power of the Spirit of God. Not just that they were obedient in the authorityship and accepting the fathership, or even that they accepted Jesus Christ and the full pardon and redemption of their past and their future, but the Spirit, the power of God, is what made the difference. And, so, and I invite you to take a journey with me. Christianity is not an event, it's a journey. I invite you to take a journey with me the next three, next three weeks. Every day for the next three weeks, I, I want us to take a journey together and, and look at those people that were on that list just a moment ago. I want you to look at w- with me at them. And I want you to see. Uh, uh, go, go to Facebook, go to the church, church Facebook page, like it, follow us, or like me, follow me, uh, or Twitter, you know, like, follow the church uh, so that you'll see. And we're going po- to post this. I want you to take a journey with me. If you truly want 2014 to be different, you want God to be the difference this year, follow me in a journey this year. Just just the next three weeks, follow me in this and see the difference that the Spirit of God makes in people. And I'll show them to you in these five verses, just before we close, these five places of Scripture, just before we close. Because what it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit takes everything in your life to another dimension. Okay? It's like your obedience, he takes it to another dimension. You know, accepting grace and walking in that grace, you know, because when we walk in that freedom, we get free, right? We get free. And man, we come to church and man, we get free. Oh, this feels so good. I've been bound all week and just been feeling so bad about stuff. We come to church and we feel, and we get freedom, but we don't stay in it, do we? Man, if you're, if you're not walking in the power of the Spirit, that's what you do, is you don't stay in it. You, you keep getting bound by Tuesday, you know, you're bound up again. You know, it's like, where's the freedom gone? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, the freedom that you get from God, the Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God helps you keep that freedom. It enables you to hang on to that freedom. It enables you not to just enjoy it while we're all standing here together, but for you to walk with it and to walk in it. And to experience it every single day. And, and, and so, so uh, you know, some of you ought to, be, ought to be realizing now, say, oh, now I understand. The reason you can't just say, I'm not ever going to commit that sin anymore is because you're still fighting in a, fle- a spiritual battle with fleshly tools and weapons. But he says, live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And then you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Didn't have room for that one, Galatians chapter 5. Live in the Spirit and you will not fulfill. So, so oh, that's why I keep, I keep trying to, to be obedient and, and not mess up and not, not make the same mistakes and not fall. And the reason you, you don't is because you've you got to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he's talking about, he says, beyond that, it's not just power for this, but he says, and you'll be witnesses in all the world to me. But you'll receive power. This is where your power is. When you feel wiped out and worn, do you know, do you know why churches have always had church on Wednesday nights? Yeah, because 
We come on Sunday, you know, we get supercharged, we're ready to go by about Wednesday. We need another supercharge just to get through the rest of the week. Come on, you can say amen or oh me, but that is, the tr- that is why we do it that way. That's why it's always been done. That's why a lot of times I encourage small group leaders, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are really good, you know. You know, Monday, you know, you do a small group on Monday. Man, they don't have anything from, you know, and some people struggle getting through the week. You don't have any, well, you know, and I, I, I don't mean to, to baby you if, if that's what we're doing, but I understand a lot of people are not going to take responsibility for their spiritual walk. And so that's why I say, do it in the middle of the week. Take responsibility. If you'll take responsibility of your spiritual walk, and you will say, God, I also want to embrace the power of you. Not just the authority of you. Not just the grace of you. But I want to embrace the power of you. When you begin to embrace the power of God through the Spirit of God, then you're going to have power. You're going to have strength. You're not going to feel wiped out and worn out and beaten down all the time. He takes you to another level. Just like with your words. See, some of, some of you have people on your heart that, that really need God to move in their life. You're praying for them. You sent me an email. I'm praying with you. If you didn't do it back then, maybe you've just started coming, and that was a few weeks before you started coming, email me today. Pastor at church2911.com. That's easy to remember, isn't it? You know, email me. Tell me so I can pray with you. We're praying for someone that is in your life. We're praying God opens the door, and sometimes God opens the door for you to speak something. Don't, and, and you speak it, and does it ever feel like the words just kind of go out your mouth and just boom, fall to the floor? Or maybe if it gets to them, it just falls on deaf ears. You know, that's not supposed to be the way this thing happens. Because the Word of God says about itself that my word will not return void, but will accomplish that that I have sent it to accomplish then how is it that when I speak the word of God, it doesn't, let me give it to you right here. And it's right there in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit, that power of God. You see, what, what, what happens most of the time when we're speaking and the words just come out, boom, hit the floor, is, man, it was great, it was wonderful what the pastor said. It was great, it was wonderful what Jamie said between the songs. It was great, wonderful what that song said to me or what the Holy Spirit spoke in the middle of the service or somebody else said on my way out the door or maybe this week while I'm in my devotion. Man, all that was wonderful. But when I spoke it, it just didn't do anything. And the Word says when His Word goes forth, it won't return void. No, but, but get this. When His Word goes forth, and it goes forth with His purpose in mind, when he chooses a purpose for it, and it comes forth, and he's the one saying, this is what I want that word to accomplish. See, when I say the word, I'm just trying. This is what preaching is supposed to be. It's not me saying words, but me saying, God, let this, let this start somewhere deep inside of me where that, where that, where that uh, wellspring of life is that is your spirit, and let it go forth. And then because it isn't born inside of me, but it's born inside of that spirit, and it gushes out of me. And listen, it, it has nothing to do with volume. doesn't mean because, you know, that's not what this is talking about. If you say it louder, they'll listen. Or if you use your preacher voice, they'll listen. No, 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 not any of that kind of stuff, okay? I don't even have a good preacher voice. I, I wouldn't be able to do that for three services, would I? No way I could get through that. It's not about any of those things. It's not about volume. It's not about style. It's about coming from this wellspring. And when you begin walking in the Spirit, then the words that come out of your spirit are not your own anymore. And it could be, it could be the same word. 
but because it comes from him inside of you instead of coming from you. Because it comes from him inside of you, it will have impact, and it will accomplish. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I said a few moments ago, the Spirit, the power of God, what it will do for you, it will take everything about your life to another level, even your prayers. I know most, most people, the way they view prayer is trying to talk God into something. You know, I, I, I need this to be done, and, and you know, i got to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, try to talk God into something. The Spirit of God takes you to a different level in your prayers. It's because no longer are you talking to God, but you and God are talking together, praying the prayer. The next verse says that the Spirit knows the will of God. And so what is happening when the Spirit begins praying through you, what is happening is the Spirit knows what you want and knows what God's will is, and he prays and brings those things together and prays that. And so no longer are you praying at God, you're praying with God, and he's praying with you. And he takes your praying to a whole other level. And then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, where the, the gifts of the Spirit are listed. And I just have to tell you that I think one of the great mistakes of the Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever your term is, church, and especially over the last maybe half of a century, that's when I grew up, when I saw this, is that we've made all of this, even all the way up there too, we've made all of this about Sunday morning, right in here. And Sunday night too, back when we used to have Sunday night service, and revivals when we used to have, but it was all about being here, you know, and all of this was about are gathering together right here. That's not what this is. It's not just for that. It's not just for that. I dare you. Make me out a liar. But I only remember one time that Jesus performed a miracle in the temple, in the synagogue. I only remember one time. Somebody tell me after church another time. I only know one. All those other miracles he did, those awesome words that he spoke to people. I mean, when he was reading people's mail, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and he would say things and, and they were cut to the quick, like, oh my goodness, how did he know that about me? Or he challenged people and, 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 he, and he, you know, he told them, said, I saw you before you got here. You were sitting under a tree. How did you know that about me? All of that stuff, it happened on the street. It happened in the day-to-day. -day. These things aren't just for this hour, hour and 15 minutes. It's for our whole life. Understand this. Is God doesn't just want to elevate an hour of your time once a week and make it awesome. He wants to elevate every single thing about your life. Amen. He wants to make everything that you do in him to be awesome and amazing. To do that, you need to embrace the Spirit of God as well. You need to start praying. Like these, these gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of prophecy. You know, uh, the uh, gift of faith, gifts of healings, of miracles, discerning of spirits, prophecies, discerning of spirits, diverse different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. You need to start praying, saying, God, I need a job. I need you to give me some wisdom. Speak to me, God, and give me a word of wisdom. God, I don't know how to fix this thing in my marriage. God, I need you to speak a word 
of knowledge for me of what to do here. God, I, I got a financial need that I, I, can't, I can't meet, God. I can't work any more hours. I need a miracle, God, like you. And you need to start asking him. You need to start asking him and embrace the Spirit of God to do awesome things in your life. This is, this is not an event. This Christianity thing is not an event. What we're doing here right now in, in the closing is, is not the finality of it. It is a step in the journey. And I ask you to join me. I ask you to join me in, in, in this journey of the next three weeks. R- read these things and, and join with me in studying and seeing what the difference that the Spirit of God has made in those lives and will make in your life this year if you embrace and open yourself up to his power and walking in his spirit. But let it begin somewhere. Let it begin here right now. And so, so I ask you, if you will, would you stand and come to the front and join me here and let's close. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around the front with a, a final prayer, a final song. And you're welcome to join us. Please do. Let's take the next one. I'm going to pray for you. Let me give you a word for this year. All that up there, those, you see there are scripture references. I didn't write that. That's the word of God. This is what he says he will do in you. That's what he, he said he will do that in you. That is the word of God. So what we need to do this year, we need to start expecting God to do what he said he would do. That's what you need to do. You expect when you are obedient that there are blessings that come because of your obedience. The authorityship, the fathership. You expect when you embrace him as Savior, your sins are forgiven, your future is redeemed. That's the sonship. You believe that. You expect that. You expect, to be, you expect that you're forgiven. You expect that there's a place waiting on you somewhere in eternity after this life is over. You expect that. Then why not in 2014 expect the Spirit of God to be all of that and all the other stuff that I didn't have room on the screen to put up there to be everything that you need, to, to, to take every bit of your life to another level. And when you speak, it's the words of God that are speaking. It is the emphasis and the unction and the, of the Spirit that is, that is driving this out on you and just pouring on people around you. So let's ask. Ask Him for something. And then expect Him to answer. 2014, the difference is going to be when you start expecting Him. He's going to start showing up to do what you expect. Bow with me if you will. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying.